2: Love, talk Radio.
1: Won't you stand in your
3: greatness? Hello and welcome to the Nurtured Heart Approach January Podcast. Happy New Year. I'm Katherine Stafford. I'm a clinical social worker in private practice in Mill Creek, Washington, and I'm also a Nurtured Heart Approach Advanced Trainer and Author. I'm joined today on air by Howard Glasser, who is creator of the Nurtured Heart Approach and Chairman of the Children's Success Foundation. Hello, happy, happy. I called you happy. (laughs) Happy, Howie. (laughs) Hello, Howie. Happy Happy New
2: Year. (laughs) um,
3: Happy New Year. You have a new name.
2: I like it. How are you? I'm great. Thank you very much. I'm great again. you, last month. Happy happy New Year, Catherine. (laughs)
3: It seems like we're both coming off vacation mode, so it's a little it's a little slapstick on the air. I think today, um, you swirled right from December vacation into December holidays, and now you're getting ready for January Tucson CTI coming up.
2: I am, and then uh, right on the heels of that, I leave for Australia for for CTI there, and then I right on the heels of that, I start my travels for my spring tour. So I'm I'm and now officially in gear. No rest for the weary. Gosh,
3: that's that's going to come very quickly. Um, for those that are listening today for the first time, launching their intention of learning about Nurtured Heart Approach or notching up Nurtured Heart Approach, um, how would you ignite that flame for them today? What Where is your new starting place? New year.
2: <laughs> you mean um, a little synopsis of Nurtured Heart Approach?
3: I would love that.
2: Well... Um... Okay, I'll fly by the seat of my pants once again. Fantastic. Um, you know, apparently, kids read energy-like Braille, um, I do believe. And they incidentally intuit oftentimes, especially if they're high need for relationships, for connection. They They pick up that we are most available for connection when things go wrong because that's mm-hmm. when we somehow seem compelled to give our lectures uh when we feel compelled to lean in when we feel compelled to have bigger reactivity uh you know bigger responses to negativity so you know some kids form a pattern around that and and a lot of the world considers that uh, diagnosable, um, and um, we have a nurtured heart approach. has a different viewpoint that that's just merely a um, a sign of where things are at at the moment. Yes, those symptoms drive us crazy, but we can turn it around very easily. Through knowledge of how kids read energy and how kids respond to energy, and how we can mediate energy in terms of um, letting them be now see that they no longer get that for negativity, and how we can provide a new pathway, all lit up uh, by by appreciative.
3: Yep. Yep. Yep, and it's. I got to say too, as you know, the years seem to be flying by in my life. And every time I round a new year and I think back on the year, and nurture heart approaches the foundation of my practice, I go, "This is what works. This is what changes." You know, the course of kids' lives and how they view themselves. So again, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for always your commitment to taking it bigger and better out into the world. Because this is where the power is, in my mind.
2: Thanks, Catherine. Do you, you want to are so to welcome.
1: That?
3: No, you know, I guess the only thing I would add about the idea of the energetic piece is, you know, every year that goes by and I work with kids and I just see that that notion of portfolio, how a child defines themselves by those downloads of those moments with important adults in their lives and, and how it's so simple to change that portfolio by what we choose to look at and what we choose to call out in kids and accuse them of the greatness in the moment, and you see the transformation happening. And it doesn't take a very long time for even our most challenging kids. And so I love this work, and I love watching kids step into owning their greatness, believing in it, and then living it out. So thank you for that.
2: And guess what? We had somebody on the line to share her brilliance, too. Who's been doing this a long time, and she's turned around so many really tough kids. I don't know if you know yep. that about Pat. Um, I do. I don't know, if you know that she worked with these kids with rap sheets a mile long.
3: Yep. Yep, the toughest of the tough. So I think, and again, we're going to introduce her now, and I think if anybody can speak to the power of this work, it's this this guest. So today we are speaking with, again, Tammy Jacobs, one of our amazing advanced trainers in Arizona. Uh, We're revisiting the topic of greatness activities for families, part two. The first part was recorded back in October um, and as often the case with so many of our podcasts, how we, we hardly scratch the surface before the time ran out. So introducing Tammy, she's a licensed clinical social worker, currently in private practice. She has over 20 years' experience working with challenging, and probably the most challenging of challenging, families in crisis centers and group homes and residential treatment, um, outpatient and community mental health. She's been an advanced trainer in the Nurture Heart Approach since 2007. She enjoys teaching to children and teens, adults, parents, group home staff, and educators. She has extensive training um, in a variety of interventions, but this is the foundation of her practice um, because it's proven to be the most effective. She also is raising two amazing daughters, age 11 and 13, and uses Nurture Heart Approach with them as well as her marriage of 17 years. Hi, Tammy. Hi. How are you doing? Great. Thank you so much for coming back.
0: Glad to be here. Tammy. I must say Yes, hey. howie. I must say I have to correct so that my um daughter would be okay with. Um she officially is now 12. Oh, and that's you read my bio. <laughs> right. Happy birthday to her. Yes, thank you. Um and she's actually one of the um both of my daughters do have the um the greatness of intensity and passion in them. And um the one that did just turn 12, she's actually propelled a lot of the ideas um
1: mm-hmm.
0: with the the topic for today. So um go
3: ahead. What
2: were you gonna say, Howie? Oh, I said I didn't know that uh I didn't know um uh, any of that about the oh, intensity, really? or or that uh your twelve year old you know helped you cut the edges of, of what you're gonna to share today.
0: Yeah, she actually is the one that propelled me to look uh, deeper into the nurtured heart approach um, because I was in all the different treatment centers and group homes working using all the evidence-based models that they say are proven to work, and Mm -hmm. none of them were really working. So um, a friend and colleague of mine had been talking about, hey, have you looked at the Nurtured Heart stuff yet? I'm like, no, no, no. You know, I'm looking at it. And not until I didn't think she was going to live to be two, <laughs> um, or I was going to live being her mother being two, uh, until at the age of two, I looked into it and I was like, oh, my gosh, this book and this, this um, approach was written just for her. <clears throat> so, you yeah. know. Before we
3: get it's into the stuff that you brought to you brought to share with our listeners, can you and Howie mentioned it, can we take a little bit of time talking about your backstory? Because I, I get the idea of having these intense little peanuts in our home and you know, that's common, but who you were working with is a little more uncommon and I, I like mm-hmm. the idea of knowing that this approach, these interventions, you know, cross the continuum of what, what constitutes hard. <laughs> so could you take a couple minutes and talk about where you came from experientially you talking- in your workforce? back when you were working with the kids who were in residential treatment and kind of the profile the profile of the kids that you were seeing there, too.
0: Right, okay. Um, yes, um, I've worked, um, I can't even remember the countless years. I don't work directly um, with a lot of them anymore as an employee for them. Every now and then they will um, contract me out to do trainings for them um, or uh, clinical supervision for some of their therapists. Uh, but back then... Um, I worked in a lot of um, group home level. I've worked at a locked RTC level um, uh, treatment uh, centers. And I think the one you're referring to, Catherine, is also the panel of boys that came one year to one of the PTIs. I can't remember mm-hmm. what year that was. Mm-hmm. Um, and those that treatment center, and they do not run purely on the nurtured heart approach as much as I wish they had <laughs> because it was working. I was a therapist there and they kept assigning me all the most difficult kids and um, they came from all over the United States. Pretty much whatever treatment options that were in the state that they lived in they had exhausted including their, um, uh, I'm trying to think of, um, incarceration. So when they would give them a chance, it was ages like 12 to 18 that they would be sent out here to the treatment center in Arizona, and these kids had really long rap sheets. Um, My toughest or longest rap sheet kids, or should I say the most passionate kids, actually (laughs) were sent from um, D.C., and most of them had gun charges. Um, Some even had murder charges. Um, My kid with the longest rap sheet, he actually had pending charges. he, He had not been convicted yet. But he had 21 counts of murder pending, trying to mm. pin a subway shooting on him.
2: Oh, my God. I didn't know that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and all of those kids, even though they have these um, hard, horrific pasts, what I learned is that they really are still that little kid on the inside, even though they had the hardened exterior. Um, and when you got to hear their story, I mean, you could just see everything that's within them. Um, they were really a lot of hurt kids and mm-hmm. they're intense kids and that passion was coming out um, in not the ways that they were proud of and they actually carried a lot of, sh- carried a lot of shame behind. So helping them discover that they still had um, a goodness and a greatness within them uh, was a little tricky where some people would say, oh, this stuff's not going to work, but I would just stick with it because I knew it worked with um, any population and sure enough, every time it did.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And and some of these kids didn't even in the when they exhausted all their options back home, you know, they were sent out to the program, and and they were and their probation officers were like, yeah, good luck with this, you know, this is your last stop. So they were leaking negativity all over the kids before they even had a chance to do the program. Mm-hmm. And there was one kid, uh, I'll never forget. The gift that he gave was something that he said. Um, He was a kid that was guaranteed to fail the program, according to everybody else. And all I did with him was provide the irrefutable evidence time after time that I saw him. And he would just look at me funny like, what what do you want? Um, But still would actively participate in sessions. And um, one day he says to me, he says, you know, Ms. Jacobs, when all the new kids come from D.C., I want you to call me up because I need to introduce you to them. She said, "You see, he, he were like, no offense, but you're like a white woman from the city, and they're not going to think you're going to be able to help them." I'm like, "Well, that was kind of useful. So, sure, the, I'll call you up."
2: I didn't quite get that.
0: which part. The um, what oh, part um,
2: of when uh, when kids uh, when new kids from DC show up?
0: Yeah, when the new kids um, were to be admitted to the program, this one kid that I had been working with, and primarily just. Using um, helping him see the irrefutable evidence within him that spoke to his greatness at the most basic level, he decided that he thought he wanted to help me by helping be the welcome wagon to the new person um, coming uh, into the program from D.C. and wanted to introduce me as a person that's helpful versus a new kid coming in and just viewing me as, oh, how is this white girl from the city going to be able to help me? She doesn't understand my background and they mm. never get me.
1: Okay. So he
3: was going to speak on your behalf, a little testimony. Yes. yes. So and now again? he's seeing the greatness in you. That's pretty awesome. Yes. What an amazing story. How long did you have those kids when you typically had them on your case list? Um,
0: a lot of times they got pulled out of the program earlier due to funding from the probation department, but um, I could easily say a year. Wow. Yeah. And the one, I was going to say one last thing about that kid, but um, the very first kid that he did that with um, so a new kid comes into the campus, into the program, and he's like, come on, Ms. Jacobs, I got you, come on, we're going back to your office, and they're bringing the new kid in, and, and the new kid who was one of the toughest kids on the streets, identified by all his peers, and they thought, oh, this is the big, bad, scary one coming in. So he sits down, and he's looking me up and down and all over, like, who do you think you're, you are and going to help me? You don't understand me. And the kid that wanted to be the one to introduce me he was trying to find the right words to describe who I was, and he said, and he says, her, she, she, she just sees everything about you. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. in that moment, I was like, oh, that was the best compliment ever.
1: He Mm -hmm. feels seen Mm -hmm.
0: at the most basic level, and these are kids that are typically seen as throwaway kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you
2: know, uh, Tammy, I've come... I, uh, probably in the last year and you may not have um no i say this uh, i i woke up one morning thinking that some kids will are holdouts essentially that they are dying literally dying to be seen and they won't and mm-hmm. they won't show up on this planet they won't they won't lend themselves to anybody or anything until somebody comes along and and truly sees them and they got their it's like they got their hands on the shades and they like white knuckling holding the shades down and they're not gonna let anybody in until they're seen and so that compliment is um huge. It's, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. amazing testimonial to you really truly seeing who they are. hmm
1: mm-hmm.
2: It was a, a
0: joy to do. Mhm. Because a lot of people so, would say, "How could you sit in a session with these kids like they were afraid of them?" Yeah. I'm like, you know, because they have the rap sheet, and I'm like, they're they're all gentle souls, all of them. And when they mm. would try to act out, staying in your heart and providing that that energy, uh, the energetic space for them, it's not that they wouldn't try to act out they couldn't keep acting out Mm -hmm. because they could sense that I wasn't afraid and I wasn't viewing them as bad. So they then would be able to stop without even a redirection to stop. Mm.
3: In your time, speaking to that notion of fear, before you learned Nurture Heart Approach and you were coming from that operating space, did you tap into fear? Was that something that was triggered more commonly prior to Nurture Heart training for you? For me? Before you Uh, got, you know, because some people get tripped up by behavior, and, you know, sometimes those big bravado behaviors are scary, right? And there's threats behind them and all those things that, you know, if you listen to it at face value can definitely trigger fear. And how did you not go there in those moments with these tough kids? And, you know, anybody who doesn't know you, you're this beautiful blonde, you know, Glorious looking woman, not, you know, I don't know how to describe you, but you You, know what I mean? you don't hit the profile right. of going toe to toe with the gangbangers from DC. Let's be honest. Right. And there you are sitting across the table from them.
0: And it's, um I I guess I practice enough being in my heart, but if I were to go way back to maybe while in school, uh, working on my bachelor's, my master's, I think you wonder how you would be in that setting because you do a mm-hmm. lot of case scenarios and studies and all of those things, and you like, "Oh, that might be scary being in a room, you know. Uh, however, when coming into that scenario, maybe, maybe in the first few internships, I was a little more afraid mm-hmm. just because it was a new experience. Um, but then once I've learned to uh, just trusting my heart, I always believe that anything tried by the heart is possible and practicing it over and over and over again, it's easy to, to go there um, and when I leave, see that I'm not there and be able to reenter.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And so, like, even with these these hardcore kids, so to speak, um, some of the things that we did just... Because you have to start very, very raw and basic with them, just even doing the basic recognition and I see you sitting in the chair. Uh and then fully building from there. And one of the activities that we did with them and these reviews um you know, most of them they they would say that they would carry guns. There's no fighting, nothing nobody fights anymore. Um they would just carry guns and shoot. And so we we came up with an activity and we were doing acrostic poems. I'm sure you might be familiar with those where you take a name and you write it hor um Uh, vertically Mm -hmm. and then with the letter first letter of each uh, in their name you come up with a new word to describe them Mm -hmm. and we just started out with simple acrostic poems with them and we brought in cleaners and fuzzy balls and stickers and glitter Mm. and some of them had never seen glitter or you know the the pom-poms and stuff like that so it was really cool to watch their eyes open up to something that might be, that might be simple to some kids and they allow themselves to play.
3: It's such a spectacular image that I have in my mind of that, that vision in front of me. And so, you know, thinking about you and your continuum of going there to your own kids with intensity, little bitty guys, and now here you are the mother of tweens private practice Taking it back to your topic of you know why you came back on today, this idea of activities, which that was a beautiful example of, lets mm-hmm. that's a great segue into bringing bringing more of those to light because you are such an expert at how do you take what's really a conceptual framework and make it more meaningful and purposeful by you know bringing it into the home in very specific playful fun, you know inventive ways.
0: Yeah, thanks for bringing it back, Catherine.
3: <laughs> You're welcome. yeah,'
0: Because I could have kept talking passionately about all of that because it was a those are great uh, memories and uh, activities. Absolutely.
3: absolutely. So, yeah. And that was a really great example of, you know, again, something you could do with anybody, and you happen to be using it in this, in- in this intention with these really intense kids.
2: Mm-hmm. Great example. Well, it answers the question uh, that some people have. It's, it's like doing nurtured heart approach with elementary students, and people say, ah, that'll never work with middle school or high school mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's really the parallel. And I still so mm-hmm. hear the I so appreciate those ten minutes of of uh, remembering and and mm-hmm. sharing those. I was in, I was mesmerized
1: mm-hmm. by
2: by your impact with those kids.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. It, it yeah. does
3: make me just smile thinking about seeing those big guys sitting there with their pom poms and their glitter and their glue and you know, their name their their new
0: version of their name that you helped guide them to. Beautiful. Yeah. And, and it is—it's nice because every now and then a few of them will find me somehow on Facebook and try to send an instant message through mm-hmm. there, and it's—it's it's really heartwarming to hear they'll say um, all of their all of their successes, finishing school, staying out of jail, um, becoming a father—you know those kind of things. So every wow. now and then they just want to reach out and tell me they'll list the success, their current successes.
3: Wow. Yeah. Back to that quote of every child needs a champion, and I can yeah. only imagine how many how many kids' lives you've been the champion for, Tammy. So I hope you know that. I hope you, when you get that, you realize you were the champion that transformed, you know, everything for them.
0: Well, they did the work. I always like to let them own it. I mm-hmm. was just the lucky one that was able to to be in the position to help them take those steps.
1: Yeah,
3: to light the spark. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So I think with the activities, the, the, the topic for this time, I want to start with the Greatness Jar because I was pretty sure we were going to get to that one last time. And, mm-hmm. um, and of course, we ran out of time because we were talking about other things. So I'll start with that one. So I have people always reaching out to me, emailing me, asking me on Facebook because every now and then I'll post the pictures mm-hmm. to send them the information about it. And so um, the Greatness Jar is something that I started a – gosh, it must be maybe four years ago, I don't know, with um, my own children at home. And the inspiration came from somebody had posted on some social media site, maybe Facebook, the the gratitude jar. And I Mm -hmm. think there's a couple other authors out there that have it in different contexts as well. But when I saw a gratitude jar, I thought, hmm, that's one a day for 365 uh, 365 days, and at the end of the year, dump it and reread them. I'm like, oh, that's way too long to wait. So just thinking through it, I thought, well, what if I play with the name, switch it to the greatness jar and be able to write every day, not just write, but also receive and give and so on and so forth. So what we have at our house, and we keep it right in the middle of the kitchen island because that's kind of like the hub of our house where everybody tends to hang out so that we can see it as a daily reminder every day. And right next to the jar, we also have a stack of uh multicolored different papers and uh a pack of multicolored pens mm-hmm. and I'm trying to figure out the right order to say this all in um, and so with the different colored papers and the different colored pens, and the papers are small by the way, they're only maybe three inches by three inches that way, the task is not overwhelming and when we write greatness notes to each other in our family we always start them out with the same first sentence because it trains our brain and gets us focused on the path that we want to be on being and for example it would say Catherine, i see your greatness on every first sentence first mm-hmm. sentence of every note and then being able to switch my 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 head and my heart towards that path and looking what was the greatness that I had seen or, or witnessed in the last since the last time I wrote. And so we give the notes to each other. Sometimes my kids like to hide them in my purse. I'll oh, put neat. them in their lunch. Yeah, I find them in these random places. So sometimes there's one in my car. Um, and then whoever's received one that day, when they get home from school or I get home from work, we put them in the jar. And then we will symbolically see the greatness jar being filled at whatever rate it's going to fill um, on a daily basis. So not only do you give and receive the greatness notes, but then you get to watch the jar fill. Hmm. And then when the jar fills, we empty it and we split them all back up into who's or who's. We reread them, and then we celebrate the full jar and the emptying of it by having a greatness party. And our greatness party is just made up that day, what it's going to be made of. The very first time we had a greatness party, it was wee bowling and milkshakes. Hmm. So nothing extravagant, but something just to celebrate the jar being full. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, I love it. you? Yeah. Thank you. I
3: love it. Yeah, that's a great idea. I had, I'm had. i going to add in a little bit here and there just because it's fun. One of my families does a similar kind of thing, but they do a family meeting then on Sunday night, and they mm-hmm. read their notes to each other, and then they talk about kind of like the notching it up, great to greater. You know, here's what went mm. well as a family, and what can we do to notch up, you know, greatness. And so, again, I love that it's such a fantastic foundation that then can be teased out and tinkered with in any number of playful ways. I love that. Yes.
0: And, and I will add one more thing with the jar. I love your Sunday night in the meeting. i have to try that rather than wait and put them in the jar. Because we tend to, our jar gets overflowing.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: we just keep saying, oh, we'll, we'll do the party, we'll do the party, we'll do the party. And so I like your Sunday idea with it because then you can turn it into a weekly mini mm-hmm. party. So
3: ritual speak. every Sunday, yep, celebrate
0: yeah, celebrate the week. And, yeah, until you um, get to the the jar, full jar being celebrated.
3: Did did your two girls have issues with with parity and inequality, and you know who got how many notes when you first started this? I'm I'm kind of thinking about some of the questions people might ask. Well, my kids would be, you know, counting or whatever.
0: Oh yeah, they count. They count, and sometimes what we'll we'll do is we'll try to pick out favorites or ones that really resonated for them. Um, when they first started counting them, they then realized if somebody else got more, they could also own the success of them getting more because that means they might have written more Mm -hmm. to them. So it didn't really reflect on that they didn't have as much greatness, but they took a lot of extra time themselves writing notes to their sibling. Mm -hmm. Therefore, it helped them have more. Mm
3: -hmm. So their greatness of awareness contributed to their kid, their sibling having more notes in the jar. right. Every it. now and then, they would say,
0: "Mom, I feel so bad. You don't have as money as I do." I said, "What do you mean? The ones in my pile and the ones in your pile are mine. <laughs> so all of them are because because writing them is a gift in itself. You don't mm-hmm. always have to receive them."
3: Can you take a minute to talk about the transition from going from writing to your kids to having your kids writing to the adults and each other in the family as well, being on the giving end versus just receiving?
0: How it is for me. Was it hard
3: for you? I mean, was it a natural thing for your kids to want to jump in and do that for each other? Because, you know, from some families I've worked with, it's hard for the kids to go from, you know, taking in and receiving the greatness to then the next step of being able to identify and awareness and then reflecting it back to others. And the way you're describing it is this beautiful, seamless process where everybody jumped in together. I'm assuming that wasn't one-stop shopping, even though your family is no doubt exceptional.
0: (laughs) No, we have our issues too. (laughs) We're human. Um, But no, it did take a while, and it actually took a while for me too as an adult um, because even though it's reading and writing them, sometimes my kids would be so excited and want me to read them out loud, Mm -hmm. you know, when they would write one to me. So what I noticed at first when we were writing them Whatever I was writing, sometimes they would use my writing as a guide or a role model on how they wanted to write. Mm -hmm. So that's why we started out with let's have a starter sentence of Catherine, I see your greatness. That way it was a way of doing the flow. And then they started picking up on I would be listing things in there, so they started listing things like the irrefutable evidence pieces. Mm -hmm. Um, And then receiving them is also hard So writing writing them, one, is hard, and you adapt and um, are able to to come up with more details. However, I think also what you're asking is my younger, they all have their own writing style. Mm -hmm. And so all of them are correct and okay forms of writing. But sometimes you could tell when they would cut off the juiciness of it, uh, I mean, they're still juicy and they're yummy and they feel good when you download, but sometimes you could tell when they would get to a place of feeling too vulnerable and like she would end it. So she's learned over time to be okay sharing those those juicy details, as I call them, the ones mm-hmm. that spark more emotion and more vulnerability with mm-hmm. practice.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Howie, I'm picturing your inbox or your email is probably like a greatness jar. <laughs> Don't you? <laughs> I just I picture. I'm thinking, gosh, I howie needs to have a greatness jar too. And then it made me think, your email probably is that people downloading kind of you know the greatness back to you. Mm,
1: mm.
0: Nice.
3: Very fun. Very fun. Okay, carry on. I'm sure you have many more. We're
0: yeah. Watching um, our time. One other thing about the greatness jar with receiving them for mm-hmm. adults, um, just for personal experience. Is at first it does coming back to when explaining how my daughter felt vulnerable writing them, receiving them can also, and so when you start to read them, uh, not vulnerable in a bad way but vulnerable to strong feelings and emotions at the time when you're reading it.
1: Because
0: mm-hmm. my kids used to write them and then bring them to me and they're like read it out loud, read it out loud, and I would start reading half and I get halfway through and I could just feel, you know, the energy shift and the intense good emotions coming in and learning to embrace that takes practice Mm -hmm. because a lot of people if they feel tears are going to come with it they kind of want to put the wall up and stop and so it actually took practice and i would say oh i just have to i have to take a pause real quick just because i would feel like i could just let you know gallons of tears Mm -hmm. out good tears and i'd have to breathe through it and then i would finish reading and even with adults in my office now, because I have a, a greatness star in my office, too, where kids love to write. So and they're like, oh, what is that? And I'm like, here, I'll read you a few examples. And sometimes I would read them out loud, and they're like, how do you not burst into tears hearing that? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it took a lot of practice. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and so um, one lesson on the on the greatness star is this year, at the beginning of the year, I I, I decided, or at the beginning of the school year, I decided that one. I
2: what's up oh I, I just love that you're uh role modeling um and uh, giving permission to uh mentoring how to reset around um
1: uh, mm-hmm.
2: upside of things you know I think the upside of things is is really truly a challenge to to people as they grow and um mm-hmm. explore their greatness and and um and start living their greatness um they you know, it that expansiveness can be uh, equally as frightening as anything else. It could mm-hmm. be a frightening as activity. So resetting uh-huh. in those moments is just a beautiful practice that that you know you have um, um, really um, lived life mm-hmm. with with the people in your practice. So I love that.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Um, that at the beginning of this school year, because I know me, I, I, I'm i more consistent with writing the notes on a daily basis during the school year than I am in the summer, and I accept that about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so this school year, I decided that instead of just writing one every morning to both of my children, because that's my frequency, my goal that I have set for me, so that's the first thing I do in the morning when I get up, set my intention that day by writing their greatness notes that I put in their lunch. But I also decided this year, hey, I'm going to write one for my husband too. Because he would get less frequent um, just based on you know past experience. So I decided that this year, this school year, I started writing one for both of my children and one for my husband every single day since school started this year. And I, then I thought to myself, hey, you're leaving somebody important out, Tammy. You're leaving <laughs> yourself out. So now every morning I get up, I write four greatness notes every morning. So one to each of my children, my husband, and then one to myself. And that's new Very this cool. year. And it's been an interesting um, progression as I've gone through with it. For example, um, when I had maybe written the first one on mine, and, write- and I'm writing Tammy, I see your greatness for up early, writing greatness for everybody, you've made healthy lunches, and whatever else it might say. I always close my kids and my husband with I love you with all my heart love mom or love uh, your wife so I closed my own with I love you love Tammy Mm -hmm. so I remember the first time I wrote it I was like oh that was a download Mm -hmm. because we don't often take the time to write that to ourselves so it was interesting little uh little uh dose that that I could feel the very first few times I was writing it
3: I love the evolution of this this greatness jar, Tammy, and the fact that it started out, you know, one way, and it just continues to ebb and flow and evolve as time goes by. And who knows where it's going to continue to evolve too? But it's so fun and playful to hear how it how it's changed over time.
0: Right. Thank you. Yeah. It's it's fun to do. Um, and I know we're have only so much time, so I want to be able to bring up a few other ones that I have here in front of mm-hmm. me. Um. In my practice, I deal with a lot of kids that have uh, two households that they live in because they have divorced parents or whatever the dynamic might be. And so sometimes it's hard because one household is okay with a greatness jar and the other one isn't. And so I had these two little siblings that I saw. And so we came up with, uh, they, they decided to call them greatness tags. But I basically had one of those large punches that you could punch what looked like a little tiny tag so that you can put them on a ring, uh, one of those metal rings.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And they could, they were then transportable. So when they went from one household where they had the jar, they could actually take them on the ring with them to the other house where they didn't have the jar.
1: Mm.
3: Very cool. Very creative.
0: Yeah. yeah. And so... Then the kids wanted to start taking them on their back in their backpacks to school because the tags are, were smaller than our the size uh, greatness note that we write. The greatness notes are about like three inches by three inches, but mm-hmm. these tags were probably one inch by two inch with a little hole. And um, that same father that would do those uh, greatness tags for his girls and would send them when they'd be going over to mom's house, he started using the tags as also incentives because uh, one of his daughters didn't like to read her assigned reading for school. So one of the suggestions was, was that we took a few of those tags and we put them as markers within the book. So when she ever when she got through 10 pages or 5 pages or whatever it was, there would be a blank tag, which would then trigger her to go to dad and say, Dad, I made it to the tag. And then the dad would take the tag and write down her, uh, his daughter's greatness so that she can then go add it to her ring Mm. of cards. So similar concept to the greatness jar, but this was more transportable and in the Mm -hmm. moment. And it actually created a safe and easy way for the child to go ask the parent, please tell me about my greatness.
2: Uh, You know, I I hope people hear... um, the creativity of that—you couldn't have done that without being truly present to the to that girl, to that dad, to that family, and to what was needed. And and um, you know, just knowing you could um, make the flexibility happen, mm-hmm. just just trusting your knowing that mm-hmm. somewhere, somehow, within this activity is is a um, is, is some, uh, you know, answer to the puzzle.
1: hmm Right,
0: mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. It's, as, as we were talking, I didn't have this on the list. And I know somebody within the Nurtured Heart Approach community, I think they do it in a school classroom somewhere, maybe you guys know who it is, that was using actually the, the name tags of the labels on the T-shirts in the classroom. I can't remember. I'm not good with names. I'm better with faces. However, so I've I've actually used that concept within, in counseling too, and given that that person's idea for them and their household, and then sometimes so for example, what the example is is having either the little blank labels or the name tags. Some people prefer to print them out and just take the the large vocabulary word and then stick it on their shirt, and so that they're wearing them around. Um, but I've had parents actually kind of like write the mini um example of whatever the greatness was, getting out of the door to, to get to school on time,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
0: and then having the kid wear them at school.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then some of those parents, uh, a couple of them work in the medical field, actually started doing it at work. And they thought, oh well, no, my 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 coworkers will think that it's silly or stupid. But I said, give it a shot. You know, mm-hmm. nothing nothing to lose. And they started doing it at work with the adults, um, with their their peers and coworkers, and they're astounded by how it's uh, lifted the moods of people. They're less angry. They're seeing each other more. They're looking up from their desks when they cross paths. So. Mm. I do not know if that bell signaled time.
3: That's okay. We're all good. It reminds me of okay. Peggy Archuleta talking about how when she used it in the medical field and how when you're looking to come tag out your employees for greatness, they're not running from you anymore. They're kind of coming out of the woodwork as you're coming down the hallway because they want to get a little bit of, you know, whatever you're selling. So it sounds like kind of what what you're talking about. It's, it's inspiring mm-hmm. to see these adults wearing their greatness proudly on their lapel and looking to energize each other. Very fun and playful. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Sir Pammy, uh you would actually have on your lapel uh a tag that said, for instance, what
0: um, depending on who wanted to do it um I actually did this activity um at one of those group home uh trainings that I did and and it was I had them write the word that you want to, something about you that you want to be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, that somebody else might not necessarily see. Um, mm-hmm. That's when I was doing it as an activity when a parent does it and the child followed through on um, putting their dishes in the sink and however that parent wanted to, to define that, like responsible would write it on, and then the kid would wear it. So if they went to school and it said responsible, then everybody would ask that kid about what is that, what does it say responsible, and then the kid would have to say, well, I put my dishes in the sink, and my mom says, that that makes me responsible, I'm responsible. But when I did it as an activity in a training, so for example, my two said um, passions and energy, and then during the break uh, in the training, their assignment was to, as you're casually walking to get a drink or whatever you're doing in a 10-minute break, take time to look at the stickers that somebody is wearing and and try to energize them on how you've seen that. And at first it was really awkward because they were, they'd were they be walking around and they'd say well, hi, passion and energy <laughs> you know, like they didn't really know how to do it because they didn't have the full training, but it was fun just to watch how it changed and lightened the mood of everybody because it felt silly to them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but then later was downloading in a, a, because they weren't taking the time to give the irrefutable evidence at first, but it still had was helping them be seen mm-hmm. because they had not let their guard down yet to hearing the irref, irrefutable evidence yet.
1: <clears throat>
0: so that yeah, was that's the tags. I love it. Uh, and yeah. I don't know how... It, I didn't know if we had time. I was going to mention one more if we got time. Yes,
2: please. I hope that's what I was going to ask you. Please squeeze in one more.
0: Yeah, okay. Um, This this, uh, next one we call the heart attack. Um, And it was when my daughter, I forget what grade she was in, but they went to the heart center and they were learning all about the heart and so on and so forth. And um, they had a, their classroom was, they had classroom buddies, they, meaning a couple of grades lower than them, they would be assigned a buddy. Two classrooms were identified to be classroom buddies.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: so if it was reading time or projects, the older ones would get together with the little ones and they would kind of mentor them in whatever activity they were doing. And so they had happened to be studying the heart. And so, and I think it was close to Valentine's Day too, So what we did is we cut out a bunch of really big hearts, maybe on a regular uh, sheet of paper, so they're about the size of that, and every kid wrote a few hearts to their buddy, and when that classroom was out to recess or at PE, the entire class of the older mentor buddies went into their classroom and just taped all of these hearts, and in the heart they had all had written um, recognition to the buddy or to the classroom. And so that when the, the the little guys came back into the room, the classroom all over, the whiteboards, the bulletin boards, the seats, the ceiling, the lights, mm. there were just hearts everywhere and they were filled with messages. So the kids had to go around and look for the ones that had their names on them. So they got to see not just the message to themselves but the message to other people in the classroom. And so... Uh, they like to call that a heart attack. And they they wanted to go give the other class a heart attack.
3: I love these examples, Tammy, because they're not expensive and they don't take a ton of time. And they're so simple, but they're so profound. You know, just going back Mm -hmm. to the idea of where we put our energy and what we choose to show up for and how profoundly that can change, you know, transform families. When I think about a lot of the things that you're talking about, I'm a really visual person, and so, you know, for me it's things like the I am across the the mirror in the bathroom, and you're energizing mm-hmm. your child. And so when they're getting ready in the morning, they're looking at the I am, and they're seeing either your notes, you know, back up there or – or just statements, or I've had kids do it mm-hmm. on their own, like the full-length mirrors that maybe teenagers have, and as they're starting to own their greatness, to have it be that they're, they're writing their own messages of greatness on the mirrors. Um, I love your heart attack. That one's really fun.
0: Mhm. like the mirror idea. I'm going to have to incorporate that one.
3: It's you know it's it's again it's fun a whiteboard pen and you're all set everybody looks in the mirror at some point during their day whether it's you know the bathroom mirror or their their bedroom mirror or whatever and so starting with that idea of I am and filling it in but I'm and I'm thinking of your greatness notes what do you do with them when you're done perhaps you're putting them all around the outside of your mirror so that you're then kind of standing and reading those again over time as well there's so many simple ways that we can take these these concepts and make them more playful and fun I do greatness jenga I don't know if you talked about greatness jenga last time. As a no, game to play with families. Is. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, Greatness, Jenga, and the, the, the tongue depressors in the middle of the table where you have the words, you know, word of the night kind of thing, round robin at the dinner table. There's such simple ways. Can you, do you want to spend a couple minutes talking about um, whether or not, I don't know if you do use them or not, the idea of um, credit systems and how to, do you use those at all and have you tweaked those a la kind of what you're talking about here? Because I know uh, that comes yeah. up periodically as a question people
0: have. Yeah, and I and I, I do. I have a couple of parents that want it in their house, mm-hmm. and the kids are like, no, 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 no. And and so they always ask, I'm like, it has to really be tailored to your needs in your house yep. and in those yep. activities. And so finally one day I just threw one together, but I had to give myself a time limit because I know me, I could obsess about it and make it just yeah. right so that it <laughs> flows really well. So I do have one that I threw together, um, and it's from the day through night and then we have the cost of things because what happens is a lot of parents try to get really punitive and go for the mm-hmm. jugular when a, a rule's been broken. So the parents really like the idea, um, kids too, um, like the idea of if you want to buy a debate versus, you know, do you want to spend your points on debating something like my bedtime should be later, you know, parents usually don't want to hear the kid say, no, it's it's non-negotiable. I'm not going to hear what you have to say because it's not going to change. But the minute that the parent thinks that the child is willing to spend some of the points that they've earned on having the debate,
1: mm-hmm. the
0: parents will then sometimes take the time to listen, hear them out because they, I mean, some parents think they're getting manipulated by that, but sometimes the kids have a great idea, um, but what, where I do find some parents that start the uh, credit system sometimes go into the debt portion. When they get personally too over-involved, what will happen is then the kid will burn out a points. you know, and then it creates a problem because then there's a deficit and then the kid doesn't want to work. So when I did a point system, I have um, bonus earnings that you can get. So let's say a parent did take away all the points and the kid's at zero and they don't even want to be motivated to do anything, I actually have in there write greatness notes, community service for the family, those different kinds of things just in mm-hmm. case there happens to be a uh, um, a power struggle between the parent and the child. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
3: Do you mind that we steered that direction, How? Because I know I see that, that question pop up periodically. People are asking about the credit system only because it's still in one of the, you know, a couple of the books listed as, you know, the back chapter. I find that it's really helpful, particularly with the little guys, and I have a lot of little guys that like to use, like, little greatness gems, or I have one family who uses marbles, and they talk about super greatness marbles. And what I always say is it's the way to keep the parents on point. It's not one right. new version of the same old token economy, but it's a way for an adult to be very intentional with what they show up for, the kids get the little tangible, and then they're working for, you know, something special or, or whatever. But, again, one more activity that you can tweak and, and turn and have it finesse just to suit the needs of your particular family, and it should be playful and fun and keep us on the point of looking for greatness.
2: Yeah, right, it's, and not
0: it's, only one marble a day. Yeah, every exactly. Si-
2: every single um, uh, written place that there was a credit, you know, there's been a credit system in two or three of the editions of different books. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's, it, it, you know, there's a new book coming out this week that um, a, re- a redo of the original book that's much better. And, and the uh, credit systems moved to an appendix. And mm-hmm. But it's, it's stated so clearly in every volume that never take points away. Yep. You know, it's, it's, it's so infused in the culture that, that that you know like like that a reset isn't enough that we have to take away tv or take away yep. uh, you know something or take away points and it's so self defeating but Tammy I love the brilliance of the community service of writing greatness greatness notes to classmates mm-hmm. to to uh to uh family that is that is like, that, that, that just gets my juices flowing. And, and mm-hmm. the also thing you said, you know, I, you know, I know I've written about, you know, uh, a family wants to you, where you could buy an argument or you could buy a debate, <laughs> uh, but hearing it from you and hearing it in it, you know, uh, I'm so glad I didn't just take the credit system out of it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just, it's like in a lower priority because what I really want to concentrate on is is the pure form of the approach
1: mm-hmm. and,
2: uh, you know, and have that just as a maybe a backup system, um, you know, used in, in certain instances. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what, I
0: think that the credit system I've, trains the parents how to do the approach sometimes. Because they're trying, they always say, what, you know, they want to do it right, and it's almost like they don't trust themselves. So yep. the credit system kind of trains them on how to not go overboard on certain infractions. And I've, I've seen parents always want to make sure that they're they're responsible to make sure that they train these kids to be great citizens and function mm-hmm. on their own, and they think that they're failing because of the time. And so the credit system, I think, helps them. Wait, I'm still doing my job as a parent, and it kind of gives. This right. is that tool. Eventually, they don't mm-hmm. need it, but in the beginning, mm-hmm. it trains them. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, so it's always the original intention, and I'm um, so glad to hear you found it useful in that way, and that, and mm-hmm. that, uh, as you see it, um, being you know that you've coached people in that way. I mm-hmm. I really applaud you. Um, you know, it does. Absolutely have merit in that way, mhm
1: mm-hmm.
2: I, I think it fits creat- beautifully
3: God's Ty, Howie.
2: I just love tammy's creativity i mm-hmm. I, love, I love made these collaborative that they're not just um they're not just games um they're creative endeavors that that bring in every case I've heard the child right smack into the middle of 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 um not just being the recipient, but but being a party to um, accepting their greatness. Yes, I am that greatness, and 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 seeing the you are, you know, in other people the greatness mm-hmm. in other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am once again in awe.
3: Mm-hmm. Tammy, I want to give you a minute to think about kind of a last um, last parting remarks for our listeners. I want to invite listeners to become followers of Nurture Heart Approach channel on Blog Talk Radio and remind people that all archived podcasts are available on demand on blogtalkradio.com backslash Nurture Heart Approach, or I believe it's also on childrensuccessfoundation.com under one of the tabs. If you're interested in becoming a certified trainer, uh, we have Tucson. I'm assuming it's closed, Howie, but Tucson's coming next week, followed quickly by the Australia Gold Coast training in February. Are there still openings for that? you your um, training, they,
2: Howie? I believe in both cases there are openings
3: oh um, okay, so if uh, anybody's inspired for Tucson, they could be there next week,
2: yeah, I think some people have squeezed in in the last couple of uh um days, and I think there, there's um there's enough room for uh another nice handful, so yeah, and we're Excellent. gonna have a what it's gonna be very exciting and energizing. there'll be some very brand new wonderful additions to the training that I, I think will empower uh, people wanting to know the approach from the inside out that much more and empower people that much more to take this work out into their communities.
3: Excellent. I love that people could squeeze in stuff if they want to. All the information for trainings is located on childrensuccessfoundation.com and check out the training tab. Okay, back to you, Tammy. Hey, We're probably more. over time. Oh, go ahead.
2: Hey, one more thing is it's, uh Tucson has been cold like a lot of other places, but it, it's, it's done its typical mid-January thing of, of being spring-like today and yeah. um, with promise of, you know, mid-60s uh, during um, uh, the, the week of the training here. And in Australia, it's summer. So yeah. uh, what a great way to combine um, uh, travel and work and um, and what some people consider it to be um, one of the best retreats of their life, where, yeah. you know, where it's propelled growth. So yeah. um, I I implore people to consider the impulsiveness in them and, and jump on it.
3: Excellent. Thank you.
2: But now to make a great decision.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It really is a great decision when you go. Um, Tammy, back to you. Last... Nuggets of juiciness, wisdom from your expertise that you want to leave somebody with?
0: Ooh, I don't know. All I I will say is um, greatness is is a a great thing to spend time looking and creating, and it's always there. So why not have fun doing it in some creative, fun ways because we spend way too much time with uh, finding the negative. So might as well intentionally create um, and find the greatness. Mm.
3: I love that. Greatness is always there. So, so, so true. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Tammy, for spending time. I know it's Sunday afternoon. You could be with your family, but instead you're here, and uh, we really appreciate your creativity and your time and your commitment to coming back and bringing more and more of your wealth of experience to our listeners.
0: Thanks for having me.
2: I'm so appreciative, Tammy and Catherine. Thank you so much.
3: Thank you, Howie. Thank you. All right. Well, we look forward to coming together again next month for the new podcast. And until then, have a great oh, have, have a great CTI. I won't be there. Have a great week in Tucson next week, Howie.
2: Thank you. Thank you. I won't be able to see you cheering for your favorite team like last time. but
3: um, uh, I know. I know. Uh, well, we'll see. I'll we'll be there see. in the spirit. So have a fantastic week, and I will um, talk to you guys later.
2: Okay. And thanks hey. to
3: our listeners. Okay, take care. Thanks, Tammy.
2: Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Bye.
3: Any stories shared in this broadcast are amalgams of experiences based on the use of the Nurtured Heart Approach by our hosts and our guests and are not based on any particular person, child, or adult.
1: Step into the world of power, loyalty,